Today is October the 1st, and the title of my message is Our Kingdom Identity. Amen. I want to first, um, as I get into this message, start by contrasting the kingdom of this world and the enemy who rules it. Then I want to go to our kingdom so we can kind of get a, a good understanding of where I'm trying to come from with the message. Uh, I've been kind of chewing on this for a few months, so um, I hope it comes through like the Holy Spirit has given it to me. Absolutely. Um, I also want to ask you a favor tonight. Everybody in here, if you can, just take all the religious hats off and let's just be citizens from another kingdom. We're not religious. We're not church. We're just citizens from another kingdom. Okay? Now, recently, the messages that's been given to us by the Holy Spirit, um, have a, what I saw was a message in the message. Um, Brother Alex shared lost and found, talking about the father's love um, for the prodigal son. Uh, Brother Brent came out today and shared fear versus desire, and he was teaching about don't fear. Um, then we had um, Bite Back, which was Brother um, Tommy. He shared that one, and he was talking about being encouraged in the Lord. Um, Are We There Yet was Pastor Wade. He was talking about possessing the promises of God. Um, Battle Cry was Pastor Eric, and telling you know, war is approaching, and we are in all the wars. Um, Elder Steve taught leadership and authority, letting you know that we have leadership and we have authority. Um, Brother Mike talked Sunday about the call and how we've been called and we're supposed to emulate our king when we answer that call. Um, and tonight, um, the message that the Holy Spirit finally gave me the okay to, I guess, to share was um, our kingdom identity, which is really knowing that stuff. Now, it says in Revelation, and this is totally different, but it says, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And um, what's interesting was I was looking at these messages through the last couple of weeks, looking at what the brothers were teaching. Um, and I, when I, the Holy Spirit showed me there's a message inside of the message, um, it would say something. If you want to go to the second slide, I, the Father, love you, my children. Do not fear, but believe my word. Be encouraged in the hard times to come, for I'm with you. I've given you dominion. Go possess the earth. War is coming, but you are leaders who have authority. So answer the call of place in your life and know that you are who you are in me. So that's all those messages. That's like a message on top of that one that what I got out of what the Holy Spirit was showing me. Now, since the Tower of Babel, Satan has been trying to get all of mankind united in worship of himself. It actually goes back further, but I want to start it there. And as we know from scripture, the Lord confused the language um, of the people of Babel who were under the rule of um, Nimrod, which means rebel or the rebellion against Almighty God. He was a shadow and type of the Antichrist. Now, our enemy's agenda hasn't really changed much. Um, and as recently as the 1870s, I was doing some research. Um, there's a gentleman named B.F. Westcott. He was a London spiritualist. Um, he's the father of the New Age movement that has permeated our society and all the sides of the world. They wanted to grab Eastern philosophy, Eastern mysticism, these people who worship Lucifer, and bring it to the West, which was dominantly a Christian nation. Um, along with him, the godmother of evil, if you want to call her, was H.P. Blavatsky. She was the editor of Lucifer magazine over in Europe. Um, and they have systematically through their teachings um, and the followers who were like the super elite in Europe. Um, they've kind of just decimated the world. Now, these super elite people that followed these people's teaching, even Hitler came through that lineage of those people. Um, they formed all the secret society. They're part of the mega banks that rule the world that goes beyond the power of the presidents. Um, so people think the presidents and prime ministers are leaders and they're jokes. They're nothing when these other people are behind them. They're pulling the strings. Now, they've been pushing the world towards a one world government and one world religion, which we already know. Um, now, 
we as a people have been tied through the subtleties of three things, primarily. Uh, one is semantics. Um, the second one is gradualism. And the third is the Hegelian dialect. Now, again, I'm talking about the darkness first before I go to our kingdom identity. Um, semantics is the altering of words and the meanings of words over a long period of time to form one universal language. In the Bibles, we used to have the Lord. Now there's the one. Satan considers himself the one, but he's not the Lord. But if you get many people getting an incorrect understanding of what it means, then you couldn't divert them off the path. Y'all with me? The second one is gradualism. Gradualism is the belief in a policy of advancing towards a goal um, gradually, often in slow stages over the course of generations to get an ultimate goal in the future. So many of the people around um, something happened 20, 30 years ago would have been an outrage. Now, today, it's no big deal. Gradually, slowly altering the course of our society, and it's called gradualism. And this is some of the things that the secret societies and the occult leaders do. They'll say, okay, well, we know that this is going to affect the people this way, so let's take out 20 years to get this mission accomplished. I'm saying this again to kind of get us an understanding of what we're up against. Um, the final one is the Hegelian dialect, which is used a lot by the military powers of the world. The Hegelian dialect is there's first a problem is created, and then it's designed to elicit a certain action. We will go ahead and do something here in the Middle East, which is going to raise gas prices in the West and over in France. We're going to see how the people over here respond to this. And once we see this, we have these think tanks that watch these people over the course of every five years we're going to do this, or every 10 years we're going to do this. And we're going to watch how the masses respond. Now we know 20 years down the road that if we do A, B, C, and D, all of the people are going to act this way. So we know how to herd the masses to go where we want them to go. Are you all with me? Yes. Um, and things that normally would not have passed as a law, when they create these issues, and it's called the Hegelian dialect, people want anything done to fix the problem. Okay, just we'll pass whatever law you need. We just want it fixed. Um, I want to show you something, a video. President John F. Kennedy. Ladies and gentlemen, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. That I do not intend to permit to the extent that it's in my control. And no official of my administration, whether his rank is high or low, civilian or military, should interpret my words here tonight as an excuse to censor the news, to stifle dissent, to cover up our mistakes, or to withhold from the press and the public the facts they deserve to know. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence 
on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. Pretty much what happens in the video is President, as he's moving into office back in the 1970s, he's explaining that he discovered from Eisenhower that there's this, this monolithic power behind all of the world's troubles. And in his administration, he's not going to have that. Um, and he's speaking out about it, that the governments, these, these um, organizations, they run CIA, FBI, they run all of the national things that control our government and the things around the world. Shortly thereafter, he was assassinated. And then you don't really hear any other presidents talking about this since that time. Um, so I want to let you know that these powers go beyond prime ministers, they go beyond presidents, and they are moving us towards a goal of serving Satan. And we already know that from what the word says. Um, about 25 years ago, I remember very vividly, a lot of you are not as, that old to remember that far back, but um, I remember back 25 years ago that abortion was not very heard of very much. Women were getting it done, but it was hush-hush. It wasn't something that you talked about. Now, as we know from the abortion ministry, women are going every day in cars, driving up to um, get this taken care of. Again, a, a gradualism, you know, something that was not thought of is now something that's common. Um, Same-sex marriages. You know, people were shacking up, but they wasn't really getting married 25 years ago. Now, it's something that laws are being passed out of the cities and other states. It's gradualism and the Hegelian dialect. So I just want to premise those things out, um, let you know this is the kingdom that we're up against. And 25 years from now, when I'm an old man and a lot of us older brothers are old men, you young people are going to be dealing with another form of gradualism that's going to be infinitely more wicked than what we have today. And what I want you to kind of get into your mindset is that we have to know who we are in Christ Jesus so that we can actually fight what's getting ready to come. Amen. Amen. Um, one thing about this is, um, if you go to the next slide, in Psalms chapter 2, our God already has an answer for this. He says, why do the nations assemble with commotion or uproar and confusion? He said, why do the people imagine and meditate upon devices of an endless king? The kings of the earth to take their places and their rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. Let us break their bands or restrain the sun and cast off the court's control from on us. Um, God is not worried about this. He's already got an answer to this situation. He's already fixed it out in time. We have to live through this, but the Lord has already worked it out, and he's not even remotely concerned. But I want to share tonight what I've been getting over the last three months to um, hopefully let us know where we stand in that. Um, I want to leave a little bit now from that side of the kingdom um, and go to our outside. Um, I want to talk about our kingdom identity and talk about our Lord that we serve. Um, if you could turn to Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 15. Okay. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent um, and believe in the good news. Now, the summary of that whole little message there in Mark is 
the kingdom of God has come near. That's what Lord Jesus was talking about. Um, the phrase kingdom of God appears about 53 times in the Bible. All right. And it's almost always being spoken of by King Jesus, almost universally by him alone. Um, the synonymous, the synonymous phrase that goes along with that is the kingdom of heaven, which is spoken about 32 times in the gospel. Um, also spoken a lot of by King Jesus and a few others. Um, throughout the counts of Jesus' ministry, he was always talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like um, a mustard seed. It's like a treasure planted in the grove. It's like a, a wedding banquet. He was always discussing what the kingdom of God is like. Every time he went somewhere, he was talking about the kingdom of God. Um, Jesus, I want to say in the New Testament, Jesus uses the phrase, Basilia Thautu, which means the kingdom of God is here. Um, the word Basilia sometimes refers to a location, okay, over which a king ruled. But its primary meaning in the first century was reign or authority. Um, that's how it was meant when he spoke it, or sovereignty. Um, so when Jesus proclaims in Mark, the kingdom of God has come near, he doesn't mean that a place is approaching. Um, what he's saying is God's royal authority and power has come on the scene, okay? So I'm, when I start breaking the words down and getting an understanding, it helped me get a better grasp of what our king was talking about. Um, so if you want to look at it in plain English, Lord Jesus was saying when he came around, he's saying God's reign is at hand. God's power is being unleashed. Turn your life around and trust in the good news of the kingdom. So when Lord Jesus was speaking, the king repent, the kingdom's here. He's saying God's power is being unleashed right now. God's kingdom is here. Turn your life around and come and follow me. Now, Jesus defined his purpose um, in, in the light of the kingdom in, uh, in Luke chapter 4, verse 3. And if you want to go there, he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities, for I was sent for this purpose. Okay? So his primary mission was to proclaim the news of the kingdom everywhere he went. God's power is being unleashed. Turn your life around. Follow me. Okay? That's his primary mission. Um, now, a person operating in the kingdom, and Jesus was our example, exhibited these traits, healings, casting out of demons, as we know, um, doing miracles, you know, um, all that stuff is a part of being in the kingdom. Um, other symbolic justice Lord Jesus did was he went to the poor, he went to the prostitutes, he went to everywhere to get people to understand who they were and to come out of darkness into his light. Y'all with me? Now, the kingdom, from my understanding, is the only message that Lord Jesus preached. I've read... The four Gospels, he didn't preach prosperity ever. I didn't see him ever talking about prosperity. Um, he didn't preach the cross because he hadn't died yet. Um, he didn't preach born again. He had a private conversation with Nicodemus, but that was a private one-time conversation, but he didn't go around preaching born again. He preached, preached God's kingdom as a hand, his power as a hand, change your life and come back. Um, he didn't preach deliverance, which we hear all over the place. He just delivered people. Um, he never preached healing. He simply went around and healed people. Um, he didn't even preach the resurrection. He simply resurrected. So, Lord, these, you know, so we have our brothers and sisters all over the planet who are teaching the gospel and they're preaching all these things that our king, who was our example, never preached. When he went anywhere he went, he let you know God's power is here, his authority is here. His reign is starting right now in your life if you just turn around and come back out of darkness into light. That was all he preached. Now, if we as Christians, 
are preaching things to the contrary. Don't get me wrong. There's a ton of messages in this Bible. It's a living word that people need to hear. Sometimes people need to hear about the healings that Lord Jesus did. But if the kingdom of God's citizens, all of us brothers and sisters, we're out about letting people know God's power is here, his authority is here, you don't have to be affected by the things in your life anymore if you just come back to him. Imagine how it will affect the kingdom of darkness. But if we're around preaching deliverance, we're around preaching healing, we're around preaching repentance, Satan don't care anything about that. That's, but that's not what our king, our king preached. He didn't do it at all. He let you know God's power is here right now to take care of your situation. Well, whatever it is, whether it's healing, demonic oppression, God's power is here right now. Just give your life to me, and we'll go ahead and get that taken care of. Amen? Um, the issue with religion, and that's why I said let's take the religious hats off tonight, is that it doesn't have any power in it. Lord Jesus had issues with the religious people. He, he, he had issues all the time with them. Um, so again, if we are operating in the knowledge of who we are, and that's what and God demonstrated something to me just recently, um, I was being spiritually assaulted, um, had all kind of drama going on in my mind. And I was dealing with this day after day after day. After about the third day of dealing with this, um, Mary called me, and me and her was talking, and she was dealing with almost an identical situation. And when I realized that, wait a minute, we both in the same situation, having the same attack, the kingdom of darkness is upon us. I immediately rebuked the situation and it stopped instantly. But it's because in that moment, I know I was acting in the authority of God because I already been given the word that God has honored this situation that I'm in. So it was no doubt in my mind that this was for the end and it stopped. So God was showing me, he showed me a lot of other instances in my life as of the last five, six years where when I was walking in the way I was supposed to walk and I spoke the laws of our kingdom, the enemy had to flee. So again, Jesus, when he came on the scene, he was telling everybody that God's reign is at hand. God's power is being unleashed at this very moment as I'm speaking to you. Turn your life around. That was the only message Lord Jesus preached. Okay? Um, now I want to say some things and, and hopefully it doesn't stress you out, but this is kind of how it's been given to me. Um, the Bible, from what I've been studying, is not a religious books. Okay? Um, it's a testament. It calls itself that. It's an Old Testament and a New Testament. Um, the definition of a testament is a noun. It's a law or will, especially one that relates to the disposition of one's personal property. This world is God's. Okay, so he left us this testament. This whole planet is his. And it's number second definition is either the two major portion of the Bible, the Mosaic or um, Christian, New Covenant. And then the third definition of a testament is it's a covenant between God and human beings. So when people are thinking about this is a devotional book, this is a religious book, this is a law. This is God's will to us. This is his so I want you to, to see that. This is not a religious book. This is a book of God's instructions for us, how we're supposed to live our life and how we're supposed to operate in his kingdom. Amen? Um, you can also call it, if you will, kind of like a kingdom's constitution. Um, a constitution is a legal document that contains the promises and intent of a government to its people. So this whole book contains the promises of God to us human beings. It talks about the kingdom of God. It talks about what he wants us to do. So this is our constitution. The United States has a constitution, many other places, but this is our constitution. So again, we're getting out of religion and understanding that 
we are citizens from another country or another government, if you will, and we've been given our constitution. Amen? Amen. Number two, the Bible is about a king. Um, I'm not talking about a president or a prime minister. This whole book is about a king. Okay? Now, we grew up in a democracy. Many of us have a hard time looking at it from that perspective. But president and kings are completely opposite. Presidents are elected by the people. They try to follow the will of the people. They do all this. A king has rulership over the entire land. Everything that's his in his kingdom is his to command. Okay? And everybody that lives in that kingdom are subject to his commands, and they don't really belong to themselves. They belong to him. Okay? So our Bible, number one, is not a religious book. And number two, our Bible is about a king. Um, number three, the Bible is about a royal family. Um, kings, we're the offspring of a king. He breathes his life in us. He brings his understanding. Number four, the Bible is about a government. Um, the whole Bible is about a kingdom that is ruled by King Jesus. It started off that way, and then it's going to end that way. His government is going to come and rule the whole planet. Um, and finally, the Bible is about colonization. Now, colonization, only kingdoms colonize. And what I mean by that is a colonization project is when a king extends his influence over a foreign territory or the expansion of a kingdom to a distant territory. So God's interest was not for us to go to heaven. It was for us, for him to make earth look like heaven. He put Adam here for Adam to cultivate the entire planet. That was his job. He wanted this to be a physical representation of the invisible heaven. Y'all with me? Um, and even the Lord's Prayer, we know it says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, in Revelation chapter 21, the Holy City of Jerusalem is ascending from heaven to earth. It's all about earth being colonized like heaven. Uh, we know that when this city takes effect here, it has the 12 trees for healing the 12 nations. We have the rivers of living water. Um, everything about it is making this place heaven. Okay? So it's a colonization project. We were sent here to earth to colonize this planet for our king. Um, we are heavenly beings living inside our earthly body um, on a planet called Earth. Once we get the concept of colonization, that's when this thing really started making sense because God told his people from Genesis all the way through, go and possess this land. I've given it to you. When you went to the land, you wipe out everything that's evil, everything that's, not con that's contrary to my word and my will. Then you live this way as I've given you understanding to live from this word right here. So when we look at our, the people who don't serve our king, let's use Islam, for example. In the countries like Africa, the Muslim men will go in there. They will meet these wives. We were discussing it the other night um, with Mary and Elder Steve and Tussa Darnell. They will get these young women promised in the world because they live in sometimes very poor conditions. And they're able to have multiple wives because of their belief system and their culture, as opposed to us having one wife. And they make it two or three wives and bear many children, and they're all teaching them Islam, and they colonize shortly thereafter the area and in the region, and it grows and it grows and it grows. Whatever um, government is the dominant one rules the area. We know, as Brother Steve said in his previous message, that there are cities now around, little towns around France that are all Muslim, all Islamic. Um, even here in Sugarland, we have neighborhoods now that are becoming all Islamic. They are going and they are putting their culture in they're dominating the areas that we've been called to dominate. Okay, So I want you to kind of get colony down. We can even see it here, like I said, with 
the people of other cultures who are bringing their religion, their belief system. And when they get there, they plant down roots and they start to dominate the area. Um, in the beginning, when God set Adam and Eve here on the planet, or I should say Adam, before they disobeyed, that's what their mandate was to dominate the earth. Um, after they, I call it, declared independence from God by disobeying, um, God set up to recolonize earth again, and we call that plan redemption in the Bible. So it's getting mankind saved, get them to walk back in the kingdom and edicts of Almighty God, and to make this place like heaven. Um, his will will be done on this planet. Um, the Bible is not really about religion. Again, it's about a king's government on the planet, a king's will for this planet, his people that he set aside for this planet to do his will. Um, thank you. God's original idea was to extend his kingdom, as I said earlier, to earth. Now, it's the same way the French colonized Haiti, the British colonized Jamaica, they colonized Ghana, um, Nigeria, Spanish colonized Colombia, Cuba, Venezuela. Um, when these kings sent their people out to extend their dominion, which is what our king has told us to do, they planted their roots when they got to this place. They took over the native population. They made the native population dress like them, speak like them, eat their foods, worship the way they worship. They colonized the area. That is what we're supposed to be doing. We call it evangelism, but we stop at a certain point. Islam does not, and they do it violently. If you don't um, do it peacefully, they'll do it violently. But God has called us to do the same thing, and he was the original colony on the planet. He set it up. Um, he wanted to fill the earth with his glory. I look at the word glory. Um, it means honor, praise. Um, but another definition of it is kavad, which means heavy. Um, it means the weight, something so impressive that it leaves an impression on the planet. Um, it means the essence of a thing. Okay, Or you can actually translate it to be the culture. When the British invited Jamaica, um, they left their impression there. Okay, you can always say the glory of England is still there because people are still drinking tea. People are still speaking English. They're still doing things the way the British told them to do it. Um, when the Muslims go into different places and they set up their little cities, if you will, when you go there, you are hearing Arabic being spoken. You are seeing the eating the foods. Our kingdom identity is what we're supposed to be doing that for our Almighty God. We're supposed to be going out and colonizing the areas around for our King. Um, so when God says, let the earth be filled with my glory, we're being sent from his kingdom, filled with his presence. I'm supposed to go and place little pockets of heaven everywhere we go. It's kind of what I've been given from the Holy Spirit. Um, if you go right now down Bel Air to um, the Beltway, you go to Chinatown. They've colonized that area. Everything about the signs of the Chinese. You, you can find like Hunan, Sichuan. Um, I actually went by there one day when they had the um, New Year celebration and they had the dragon out there and they're doing this thing with it. I don't have to go to China. If I want to go Spirits China, I go right over there. People should not have a desire to go to heaven. They should be to experience heaven at your job, at the church, wherever we are. We're supposed to be calling out before our king. Amen. Again, whoever the strongest culture is, that's what dominates. Um, we are supposed to dominate the planet, um, which means God delegated rulership through us. Um, 
I just wanted y'all to see some of these definitions, the extension of a king's influence over a foreign territory. That's all Almighty God wanted us to do was extend his rulership of heaven to earth and make the planet like heaven. Um, in Genesis, if we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1, it said, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air and over the cattle of all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his image and the image of God created him male and female and he created them and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, When God said, let us make man in our image, I look at that word as well. Image is the character of the Lord. He placed his character, his essence, all of that he placed in us. There's nothing else created that I can find in the word that was made in the image of Almighty God. There's not a single angel that was given the image of God. Okay, God placed his essence, his holy presence, his glory in us. And that's why he gets so upset when we are doing idolatrous things because we have his glory. Okay, we are extremely powerful beings. As I was saying earlier, when I realized that I was being spiritually attacked and I expressed it according to the way my king has given me authority, it instantly stopped. Um, I looked at the word dominion because I wanted to see what that means. If we can go to the next slide, it says um, dominion. The definition of dominion is the word rada or mamlaka. And it means to rule, to have dominion, to dominate, or to tread down or to reign. So God said, let us, give, let us let them have dominion over the earth. He meant for them to rule the earth, to dominate it, to tread down, to reign on the earth. Um, a, king's, a kingdom is a king's dominion. And that means kings that dominate the earth. So when he gave us dominion, he gave us rulership of earth, and we meant to be kings that dominate the planet. Um, thank you. The second word I looked up was sovereignty. You know, go to the next slide. Sovereignty, or well, the definition of Rada, okay, I looked up both of those. Rada, um, dominion was the first one. Rada was the second one. Rada means kingdom, sovereignty, reign, or dominion. So when he says give them dominion, and that meant Rada, Maklakla, it was meant those same words I was speaking earlier. Um, I looked for sovereignty, and sovereignty is a very powerful word. Um, it means we have complete authority in a situation, okay? So we were given Rada, which means sovereignty. So from what I've gathered from that is when we have situations going on in our lives, whether it's on our jobs or in our homes, and we are not using sovereignty that God has given us, those things are our responsibility. Um, I'm at a new place now, and I'm understanding God's using me in that place to pray for people. Um, people come to me almost um, every week and saying, will you pray with me? He's giving me dominion now in that place that I'm at right now. Um, I'm increasing in everything I do, and I'm understanding that he placed me here to dominate this place and show them what heaven is like. That makes sense, y'all? Um, whatever happens in our sphere of influence is our responsibility. There's some people in here, there's some men in here that are very aggressive, very zealous, for the Lord and there are other men in this room that are very meek and quiet and humble. There are some women in here that are very outspoken and kind of spicy. And there are other women in here that, uh, that, are, um, that are very calm and very quiet. But when God created us in this image after his likeness, he's given us all 
dominion, regardless to what your personal characteristic of demeanor is. So whether you are home, again, or on your job, you're supposed to have dominion, period. It doesn't matter because if we don't establish dominion, the kingdom of darkness, which is right around the corner from us, is going to take dominion. So our kingdom identity, from what I've been gathering, is that we're in his image. We have his holy presence. We have authority. He's given us sovereignty. We are kings um, on this planet. When he said Rada, that means kingdom. That means he's given us kingdom. He's, he's given us, and only kings have kingdoms. So we are kings and queens, if you will, of this world that we're in. If we allow Islam to come in and all these other religions come in, the fault is ours. It's not God. Okay, but we need to know who we are. Um, a chef can't write somebody a ticket for speeding. You know, that's not his place. A police doesn't cook in the kitchen. That's not his place. But if police come up to you, he has the backing of his entire government. He knows who he is, and he can write the ticket without fear or repercussion because he knows he has the backing of his kingdom. We have the backing of our kingdom. And as God demonstrated, and he showed me, I just sat back quietly. I was looking at all the times when I've demonstrated kingdom authority. I was actually exactly, exactly where I was supposed to be, speaking what I was supposed to speak, and it happened without fail. It was not even uh, uh, something that lasted for a long time. Some of you all in here have experienced healings. You've seen miraculous things. And a lot of times with us Christians, it's hit or miss. We will have a good moment, and then we may go weeks and months without seeing anything great, and we'll have another good moment. But we've been given kingdom. We've been, we've, we have sovereignty. We have authority. Um, we just need to know that I need to operate in authority in this area. Brother Mike said in his message that you may can preach, but you may not have been called to preach at this moment. And I, I think about that. I'm like, you know what, Father? You right now have placed me in this place. And I'm already seeing people come asking for prayer. So I know right now that you've given me dominion in this place. Now, we have people that come in there with all different types of beliefs and faiths. But it's my ability to make this place the dominated is for kingdom uh, for our king. Um, last thing I want to say is that um, to let you know that we are kings um, is that the Lord calls himself the king of kings. He don't call himself the king of subjects. He calls himself the king of kings. So understand who we are, brothers and sisters. We've been given dominion. We've been given authority. We have sovereignty in the areas that God puts us, whether it's inside your home, whether it's on your job, whether it's in school, whether it's wherever you go, God is giving you sovereignty. But if you don't know that you have sovereignty, you're like an ignorant king. You're not ruling um, what you've been given to rule. And if something happens on your watch, it's your fault because God has already told you, I've given you the planet. You've been born again. You're filled with his holy presence. So you now know you have authority. If Islam can go and dominate the area and Chinatown, because the entire town, Chinatown, and these other, you know, they can do all this stuff. We're supposed to do the same thing. The thing about um, the other powers that are out there, and I wanted to show you that on the, the slide, was that even though they have semantics and Hegelian dialect and all of those things they use against the masses of people, our rulers know that one can chase a thousand and two can do ten thousand. So our power far outweighs what they can do. You know, a few of us in this room operating with, I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I know the authority he gave me. He gave me dominion right here, right now in this place. Nothing's going to come in this area and do anything that's contrary to the laws of my kingdom. So don't look at this as religion. Look at this as our king has given us his constitution. This is how we're supposed to govern the government on this planet. Everything we need to learn how the government is in this book. Okay? We're supposed to walk a certain way, talk a certain way. And when we go somewhere, we're supposed to establish kingdom. God's authority is here. His reign begins right now as I open my mouth. God's reign starts. But if things are in our area happening, 
and we are not operating as the kings we've been called to do, then it's our fault. It's never the king's fault, you know. And that's pretty much my message, y'all, what I want to share. Where are you going, brother? Where are you going? No, 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 no. You bring the glory to this stage. As you, yeah, you bring the spice. I'm going to start calling you Cayenne from now on. Brother Curtis has a good word. Amen? Amen, amen. I can't help but, but reflect on it and some things that sparked inside of me. Uh, Steph, go to Luke 12, verse 32. You know, one of the things I love about Curtis is that he thinks outside the box. And one of the terms he has for those who live according to this world's standards and this world's kingdom is surface dwellers. I don't know why that just that stuck in me. I love it. It's those who just think on the surface of things. But God is much, much deeper than, than what you exist on that element. So Luke twelve thirty two. do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased or is pleased to confer upon you or to give you the kingdom. Come on, everybody say the kingdom. Now, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, your thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth, on earth as it is in heaven. But let's, let's dial in that zip code and that address a little bit closer. Is it just in general on earth, or is it the very place that your two feet are standing? Is it the very place where your two uh, hands are able to reach and extend? This is the promise that God made to Abraham. Everywhere that you set your feet, this land will belong to you. It's the promise that the kingdom will reign wherever we dwell. So Matthew 10, 7, uh, Brandon wrote an awesome song. Or actually wrote the music to it. As you go, preach the what? Preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Next one, verse 8. Heal the sick. Everybody say, heal the sick. Say the next one. Say the next one. That doesn't mean with a wet wipe. That means with the, the presence and cleansing of God. Say the next one. Say the next one. Freely you have received, freely give. He's not talking about somebody else. Everybody right now, point to yourself. Come on, point to yourself. Say, he's talking about me. So here's the deal. Let's make a deal. Y'all want to make a deal? Let's make a deal with the Holy Ghost and with God's word. We're not going to delegate this responsibility to somebody else. We're going to take this responsibility of God's kingdom as he's given it to us. And here's what we inherit. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's start in verse 13. And we'll go to verse 16. All these people, say these people. There you go. That's you people too. We're still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Spiritually speaking, we left the country of Egypt. We left the country of bondage and decay and depression and every obvious act of the sinful nature. And what we have been born again into is the kingdom of light, the kingdom of life. They're synonymous. The kingdom that heals the sick, raises the dead, and cleanses the lepers. 
Next verse. Instead, they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. There's a heavenly dwelling that is prepared for you and me, but is to those who persevere by being faithful. And what we're going to be faithful to do is despite how we think, despite how we feel, despite even the very circumstances that are obstacles in our way of God's kingdom advancing right in front of my feet, we're going to stand up with our heads held high and say, in the name of Jesus, no. That means if there's sickness right in front of you, you say no to that sickness. It's going to be healed. If there's a decay of some shape or form, leprosy, where there's the physical body falling off or people falling out of the body of Christ. We say no in the name of Jesus. We will hold to the standard of word of God and wait for the power of God to deliver us because that is the extension of God's kingdom in our life. There's no better feeling. There's no better reward. Now, this side of the resurrection, than to see the resurrection of, of, of life at work as I obey the leading of the Holy Ghost. Somebody's life being rescued from death. Somebody's baby being made whole and being made formed in the womb complete. And one little testimony, one little miracle actually after another. Do you know that at this point with all the things that have happened in this ministry, I don't have the ability to recount them. Now collectively we probably do. But what a testimony. But here's the deal. We're not going to let it stop with the past. I want to do God's will today. That means when we go to Taqueria Brenda, or Brenda's Taqueria, we're going to heal the sick. We're going to raise the dead. Now, I don't know who's going to volunteer. It may be because you ate something bad and then we lay hands on you. But either way, we're going to be willing and obedient servants for his kingdom. Amen? Let's stand to our feet.